podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Brianna. I'm Amanda. And hello, welcome to episode 22. That's how old you are, right, Bri? Almost? You're almost 22? I am 22. Yeah. You got it. Something like that. It's now the same age it, yeah, as Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> it's know, three once... years old. Yes. <laughs> After you turn 21, you know, all the years just kind of get jumbled up together, so. Yeah. Well. The other I day I thought I was 23. 80. So, I don't know. I'm still not sure of how old I am. I don't even question how old I am anymore. I get confused on the numbers. Too much. Too many. Okay, I wait, Amanda. Time out. <laughs> Worth it. Did it get on any technology? Make sure Cody doesn't see that. But we have to post that on 1,000%. On I spilled it. I was trying to show the girls and it spilled. Oh, I, just, I don't have to open that up. No, you don't have to open that up. Is your technology safe? I've got some potatoes right in here, so I'm going to have to clean <laughs> it out. Fine. Fine! <laughs> it's fine. Everybody's fine. Nothing important. Just some stupid-ass technology. Nobody cares. I was just trying to show you guys my dinner because I get yelled at when I don't. <laughs> I don't know what Because your dinner looks so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of dinner, Jack and I, there's this really, really good place, um, sushi place, that's, like, kind of near us. It's, like, a 10-minute drive, but it is so good, and we got takeout from it last night. Oh, my goodness. I'm... I'm still tasting it. It was so good. And I mean, I can taste like I have like half of my taste. You should brush your teeth. Probably. What? Why? <laughs> if you're, you're tasting last tasting night's it? dinner. Oh, oh, I thought y'all <laughs> meant that I had something in my teeth. <laughs> would actually be very proud of me. Cody and I have not had anything takeout in a week now. Oh, good like for I have you. cooked dinner for a whole week, which is not like us at all. Good for you. That's hard to do. I did mm-hmm. it for a week and I, I literally had like a schedule and I wrote everything out for Jack and like I made like five out of the seven dinners. And then the next week he didn't write the schedule out and I got pissed and I didn't go to the grocery store and then we just stopped doing it. So I didn't I, I cooked for five days straight and that's it. <laughs> That's all. I don't have a choice. Cody doesn't have a job. Anyways, so that's my update. Cooking. Why? I don't know. I hate cooking, but I have been. What about you guys? I don't mind cooking. It's just hard to cook with her. By the way, y'all, I only have half my taste because I got COVID. Well, I think I have COVID. I don't know. It's like... Did you not go get tested? no, I did. And I tested positive, but I don't have any symptoms at all. Once again... Wait, why'd you go get tested then? Well, so the thing is, um, I get like really bad sinuses and congestion. And a lot of the times I end up getting strep because of it, because 
the drainage just like leaks down, you know, into your throat and it's disgusting. Um, and so, you know, I kind of like felt that one night and I was just like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go get tested, you know, um, I'll get tested for strep because that's what I always get from it. But like, I'll just test for these just, you know, for shits and giggles. Cover all the bases. Yeah, exactly. And they tested me positive for COVID and it didn't make any sense because literally the doctor literally told me that, yeah, you know, congestion is not a sign of COVID. And then they put on the like symptoms list thing, like the discharge papers. Yeah. The patient has been complaining about a sore throat and congestion that has nothing to do with the previous statement. And it's like, no, that's not what I said. So I don't know. But I I mean, plus I gave it to my parents, didn't give it to anybody else that I was with over the past week. So I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Well, you probably have COVID. And you just need to quarantine. Yeah, I mean, we've been quarantining. We went bouldering today, but, you know, we weren't around, like, any people or whatever. We did it outside, so. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So. Well, Amanda, do you have any updates? Um. Oh, I had a fun conversation with my grandma, and she reminded me of something that I forgot to tell y'all. Okay. Um. So me and James were having a conversation. I don't remember what we were talking about. And he said something about me being crazy. Or no, I said, well, my family's not crazy. And he's like, yeah, right. Okay, this is coming from the girl that played with her grandma's dead finger as a child. So I was telling my grandma about it. And we were laughing. She reminded me that she took her finger. You've heard of like phantom pains, right? Like if people are paraplegic or something, they feel like needles or something in their legs. So Uh she tested that theory out. So she took the little fingertip out and stuck it with a needle and she didn't, she didn't feel anything. So there's, there's that. Good to know. Um, Yeah. Just in case y'all were wondering, that's my paranormal story. So. (laughs) Um, it kind of was anticlimactic, but all it's fine. I'll let it slide. (laughs) Okay. Well, no other updates. We can go ahead and get started. And. Okay, that's me then, right? So I have a shorter story for you guys today. <clears throat> Not for any other reason other than the other stories I was looking at doing were just really long and I did not have this week to do a longer story. So you guys get a shorter one. It's still a very good one. So before I start, just so you guys know, I couldn't actually find a lot of background on like childhoods in this case. There was nothing too significant that I could find. Um, and actually I really just couldn't find anything. And all of this takes place in the Kent, England or, um, United Kingdom area, however you prefer to be known, but it takes in that, takes place in that space area. Area is the word I want. So the first two pictures, you guys can go ahead and go look at those. And those are both of Joshua Stimson. And let me know your thoughts on him. I mean, he's not bad looking. He's got like a very long face and it's, I don't know. I mean... He's not bad looking. I don't okay. think. I don't know why, but I don't like him. He has a very punchable face, if you ask me. Yeah, maybe that's it. If there's just something yeah. about him. I feel like he's maybe cocky. And I okay. hate judging people without knowing them. But 
Okay. I'm going to do it. And I just did it. So well, there totally. ain't no going back now. I kind of get that he's cocky. I've never actually looked at someone and thought, you know, that person has a punchable face, but I'll say that he's cocky. <laughs> I didn't just look at him and think he had a punchable face, but anyways. <laughs> So jo- Joshua Stimson and Alexandra Dale meet in 2013 and they have a relationship. So Stimson had told, or I'm sorry, Stimson and Dale had met at a local, pl- a local pub and they later went to town to some revolution bar, kind of hit it off. And as their relationship progresses, Stimson ends up telling Dale, Alexandria Dale, no, Alexandra Dale, sorry. He tells her not to talk to any men because he didn't like it. When she did. Bye, bitch. (laughs) Peace. I'm out. You suck. Yes. And after they had uh, their first kind of outing or date, there was one night where they end the date and the night and Alexandra Dale receives about 25 missed calls from Stimson afterwards. And through the course of this relationship, he, Stimson, would send Alexandra Dale pictures of herself, but... He would have taken the pictures when they were not together. So she's like, why are you sending me a picture of this? He would also ask her why she was wearing certain pieces of clothing in that picture. And he had a stalker on her. And he told her ex that uh, Alexandra had slept with her with his brother. He'd also taken a photo of her back garden when she when he shouldn't have known where she lived. And Stimson went as far as to slash all the tires on her car, telling her, quote, there's a surprise waiting for you when you get home. Well, now this guy has a punchable face. (laughs) This guy has a punchable soul. Everything about him is punchable. Just curb stomp him and move on with your life. We're not going to take it that far. But anyways, so it escalates to a point where Alexandra Dale claims that Stimson um, actually told her while she was on vacation that he was going to fly out and drown her. And Alexandra Dale, she's eventually able to leave this relationship or really lack thereof. It didn't really, from what I could tell, it wasn't much of a relationship. It's like they met and then they were ready to just move on not long after. And this is all in, um, in 2013. Do you know, like, how long of a span that was? Not very long. It was, like, a month or two. It was a short long? amount of time. Yes. He got that controlling in a month? Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. So, she leaves. She kind of leaves that behind her, moves on with her life. She did report Stimson, Stimson to police for his stalking. And she goes on to state, and I quote, this twisted fuck made my life hell, and the police were informed, yet did nothing about it. Damn, I was going to ask if they fucking did anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Joshua Stimson then meets Leah Hubbard in 2016, and they have a, a relationship again. And Hubbard and Stimson met at the Source Bar in Maidstone um, in May of 2016. After having met a couple times that week, uh, or having met a couple times the week that they met, Hubbard or Leah told Stimson that she was going to do a hen do the following Friday. And a hen do, for those of you that don't know, it's a bachelorette party. So for those of us that are American, it's a bachelorette party. That sounds so much more fun than bachelorette party. It does. I like hen do more. It sounds so much more, so much less trashy to yes. me. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's fun. 
So when she tells him that she's going to go on this Hindu, he's like, well, are you going to talk to other men? It's like, we just met. We've just been talking for like a week at this point. And I'm going on a Hindu, so I don't know. Like, so he gets, he's not happy with the news. And he basically tells her, well, I don't want you talking to other men. And she's like, all right, whatever. And eventually Hubbard goes to visit her grandma for her birthday. They call them Nan, by the way. It was really sweet. I changed the verbiage because it made more sense in my head to read it, the English verbiage. But um, she goes and visits her grandma for her birthday. And during the time that she's home with her family, Stimson actually begins attempting to call and text her just repeatedly. Just freaking off the wall crazy. And Leah Hubbard ends the relationship with Stimson a week later. And she's like, we're not doing this. I'm done. And Hubbard claims that Stimson later showed up to her flat at two in the morning. And he claimed that he had been abandoned by his friends in town and that he just needed to charge his phone. So Leah Hubbard being so sweet, she allows him to charge his phone and stayed awake with him. Just like, okay, charge your phone. And so as soon as his phone is charged, she's like, okay, now please leave. And Stimson just breaks down in tears. just sobbing uncontrollable and so she's like all right fine stay like she's like i don't know what to do at this point and the following day hubbard does tell stimson that if he ever came back to her flat she would call the police um on a night out leah hubbard describes how stimson would always seemingly be in the same room and she felt as though he was always watching her so she's like why is he here how like he's always where i am it's very annoying and it always felt like she was being watched by him. <clears throat> Who hurt this guy? I have no idea. Um, on a different occasion, Hubbard claims that Stimson spat a drink in her face and then proceeded to wait for her for hours after having been kicked out of the, the bar, venue, club, whatever they were in. And Hubbard also reported Stimson to police and police were unable to do anything. Now... <clears throat> <sighs> Now, Joshua goes on to meet Molly McLaurin, and that is pictures, the third and fourth pictures. You guys can go look at those. And she reminds me of Reese Witherspoon in that second photo. She's super cute, isn't she? She's so pretty. Oh, my God. And she has like a natural beauty, it seems. Yes, she's she's super cute. So Molly, at the time that they meet, she's 23 and Stimson is 26. Molly was studying health and fitness at the University of Kent. She was described as being very outgoing, very charming. Her friends say that she was light, bubbly, and she was just one of those people that always put 100% of effort into every single thing that she did. So she was like, I'm doing this, then let's do it. And she was a student, like I said, at the University of Kent, and she had actually started a fitness blog or vlog, blog slash vlog. I couldn't hear what they said on the video, but she started one of those and like wanting to advance her career. She was aspiring to be a personal health coach. Now, Molly, while she was really great, her friends knew her with this bubbly personality. She also struggled with her mental health and bulimia as well, but it was a struggle that she was actively working to move past and grow from and um, to break the bulimic habits that she had. And her friends did know that, and they said she was making that conscious effort to stay on track to better herself, not just for her health, but for her mental health as well. Now, Molly and Stimson, they match on Tinder in June 2016, and they begin 
talking in about late July. So they match on Tinder June, late July, they finally start talking and their relationship kind of went from there. Um, They even exchanged messages in which Molly writes, can we pretend we have known each other a bit longer and haven't just been speaking a few days? And also, and I think we should take our relationship to the next level. Now, this is reportedly Molly's first real relationship. Like, she was pretty serious. They were serious about each other. There are some reports that state um, that when Molly and Stimson met, Stimson had convinced Molly that he had never dated before. And so Molly kind of felt sorry for him. And she was like, oh, he's lonely. Like, he just wants someone to love him. And they connected over the fact that Stimson also said that he struggled with depression and anxiety in his childhood. And so this made Molly feel like they were kind of kindred spirits or kindred souls. So they they kind of bonded over that as well. It's kind of sad that they just met and he's already starting to manipulate her. Mm -hmm. I don't know about the depression thing, but at least through the whole, I haven't had any other relationships. Like, yes. Red flags. Mm hmm. Plus, one thing that I've learned is that you never want to go into a relationship trying to fix someone. You always want to always want to make sure that they're good and that you can deal with their flaws <laughs> before you get into the relationship. Or find someone who is equally as flawed as you. There you go. That's, that's There you go. We are all follow. flawed. Now, they meet in person. And after they meet in person, they're just like, they can almost always be found visiting with each other very frequently. And... Molly's mother, Joanne McLaren, she states that she had told or she believed that if Molly liked this guy, then Joanne, her mother, would and her husband would also like Josh. She's like, okay, if Molly likes him, he's probably a really good guy. And um, she does go on, Joanne does go on to say that Molly really was never much of a long-term relationship type of girl. Her longest relationship was really about four months. So she was like, okay, I know my daughter, like... You know, this is so far what she's, what her pattern is. And in November 2016, Molly does introduce her parents to Josh. And as far as they were concerned, he was an average 26-year-old. Nothing too crazy. But not long after Molly and Stimson begin dating, Stimson kind of up and quits his job. Just like, I'm done. This didn't really affect their relationship, but it did show show some of Stimson's immaturity so that you kind of see, like, Why'd he up and quit? Like, what's happening here? Um, But Joanne, Molly's mother, does begin noticing that Stimson just wouldn't really leave Molly be. Like, he wouldn't leave her to do her own things. He wouldn't leave her just to study. And Joanne is quoted saying he would just not let her put him off. And he would just turn up even if she said no. Molly's friends claim that after arguments... Stimson would claim like he was having a mental health episode, things like that. So that, you know, those arguments kind of just dissolved or were brushed under the rug. Um, Or if Molly tried to go out, he would claim that he was having a mental health episode and that Molly needed to stay with him. And because she knows what it's like with the depression and anxiety, she felt that she had to stay. And so they, they started noticing these patterns. And they also started noticing a lot of her friends did that. Stimson seemed to be trying to get between Molly and her friends. Um, Molly was a very outgoing person. So she had a social life. Like she had her friends. She had all this stuff. So like that's something she always had for him to get in between. It was just not really appropriate. 
So Molly does tell people like, okay, he's met all of my friends. I'm incorporating him into my life, but she doesn't really see that being reciprocated. And basically she's like, well, he's met my friends, but I haven't met any of Josh's friends. And my personal belief on that is because all of Josh's friends are imaginary. So I was going to say, yeah, he probably doesn't have any. And now he's, it seems like he's trying to ostracize her from her friends. So she's more dependent on him. Mm -hmm. So by March of 2017, Molly kind of appeared to be getting bored with her relationship. And she was also seeing these red flags and she's like, okay, I'm over this. Like, we don't need to keep this up. And Molly and Joshua do break up. Now, Stimson was not having any of this. And he kind of goes on to tell Molly that he's bipolar. And this is in one of his attempts to kind of win her back, to just get them uh, back in a relationship. This is, again, kind of connecting on that mental health level. And after actually hearing this, Joanne, Molly's mother, stated that she had some apprehension when she was like, oh, he's bipolar. Like, she had concerns with that. But she's like, oh, I haven't witnessed any of these bipolar tendencies. So I I guess I don't quite know what to think of it. And uh, after Stimson's constant apologies and his persistent, Molly's like, okay, fine. Josh and I will get back together. And part of it was because it was just easier to take him back than to not have to dodge all of his unwanted affection. So, oh God. Mm-hmm. so Molly and Stimson go on a vacation together. And this was really Molly's attempt to see if they could work things out. Like, she's like, I'm trying to make things better. I'm like, if we're going to be together, it might as well work. Like, we can't hate each other and be together. Uh, it didn't go very well. And Molly did not enjoy that vacation. She was actually texting friends, kind of saying it's not... It's not going well. And by the end of the vacation, she really had made up her mind that she was going to break up with Josh. So she saw the red flags and she decides, okay, yep, I'm going to leave him. And it really happens during an argument during her birthday celebration. I don't know what the argument was over, but this was on June 17th, 2017. And they were having this argument and Molly just got fed up and she just is like, okay, we're done. And she breaks up with him in the nightclub during her birthday celebration. And Stimson is, like, pissed off. He gets upset and he dramatically states, she's finished with me. And she he says this in front of all of her friends and then he just storms out. Like, yeah, I'm she's, queen. she's, yeah, she's yeah, done with you. Does, she's done with you. Yeah. yeah. So that happens on her birthday. And Josh was so heartbroken and bought her over the breakup that he posted on social media claiming that Molly used cocaine in order to lose weight and stay in shape. Get fucked. Yes. And this is his attempt to humiliate her. Um, And he did actually go as far as tagging her friends and family in the post to make sure that all of her family and any reach she had saw this. Like they didn't know better. People who go that low are, no, just no, they're done. Please, Please just get help. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, Molly and her mother were really concerned about the kind of the escalating behaviors they started seeing, but they even circulate photos of Stimson to their neighbors just to make sure that they're like, hey, if you see him, like, he's not good news, like, please watch out for him. And um, still in June of 2017, Molly and her mother go to the police 
And really, they're trying to get this post taken off of the internet because they're like, it's not true. It's slander. Like, I, I don't do cocaine. And here's the other hard part is she's pretty openly bulimic from what I could tell. Like, she's openly getting over that struggle, not that she's, you know. And so for him to also then throw that in was just kind of like a very low blow in general. Now, please do tell Josh to stop. And Josh has this this kind of ominous warning that they remember. And he just said, I've done nothing wrong. And if you think I have, there's more to come. And he even goes as far to post online. There's more to come. Hello, police. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, Molly is actually very frightened because she's seeing this escalating behavior. She's seeing like these threats and she's uncomfortable. On June 27th, about 10 days after they broke up, Police call Molly and tell her that Stimson has agreed to take down the social media post. And Molly's like, okay, awesome. Now, all of her friends and family at this point had already blocked Stimson on Stimson on social media platforms. So he wasn't able to really uh, see what she was doing, see any of her posts, communicate with her. However, he was able to manipulate another random girl to add Molly on social media. And she does. And this kind of gives. Stimson the in he wants uh, on her social media so he can keep an eye on what she's doing. On June 28th, 2017, Molly posts on her social media that she was going to go eat dinner with friends. And she, on that post, named the specific place that they were going. Any guess who showed up? Josh. Big Bird. (laughs) Big Bird is correct. No, it was Josh. I'd rather see Big Bird. (laughs) Me too. Now, when Molly and her friends see Josh, she kind of snaps a picture of him and sends it to, or posts it on Instagram or sends it to friends, something like that. And it's captioned, that feeling when your ex shows up at the same club as you. So she's like, okay, this is really weird. Like, is this a coincidence? Kind of like an out of the way place. It's not a common place from what I understood. And her and her friends are trying to treat it kind of as a coincidence, but they're really struggling. Oh, and he actually came to this, club restaurant whatever it was with like another girl to like on a date type thing and so i mean i can see how they would think that is a coincidence though because he's like on a date with another girl maybe he like deleted the post and you know kind of got over it who knows well they're trying to treat it as a coincidence but they really were like "Mm, something doesn't sit right molly goes up to the bar to work out what the what she has to pay And when she does, Stimson smiles at her, making them feel even more uneasy. Oh, no. At that point, Molly leaves and Stimson begins following her every move. Now, that was on June 28th, 2017. On June 29th, 2017, Molly went to the gym to post an Instagram video of her workout. So she was trying to record the video. Um, Like I said earlier, she was in school for fitness and... um, nutrition so she was an aspiring fitness coach guess who shows up not long after she starts elmo no oh yep josh shows up again and you guys can go into picture number five i think i have a label this for though my picture numbers are weird now you guys can see from that picture that joshua stimson stimson parks his ass right near her for his workout like, they're, it's not like an, oh, you're here, I'm going to be on the other side of the gym. They're, like, super close to one another. 
and shirt. Yeah. And Molly sees Timpson and she pauses her workout. She texts a couple of her friends to let them know what's going on. And Molly decides she's going to ask Josh why he wasn't at work. And Josh tells her that it's none of her business. He's like, well, we're not together. Why do you even care? And at this point, Josh finishes his workout, whatever he's doing. And in my head, he dramatically storms off. But the video does not show him dramatically storming off. He does, however, leave. um, And he, you know, he leaves. Um, Molly calls her mom and her friends, trying to get their advice on what to do with the situation. She's feeling uneasy. She's not feeling safe. Um, and at this point, they're like, well, how did he know you were there? Like, how would he have known you were there? Like, there's just no way. And they're trying to work it out. She hadn't posted anything on social media. He's not friends with her. He can't track her location. And they're like, there's there's something off. There's no way that you would have two coincidences within 24 hours of each other. And one text that she sent her mom stated, mom, he's turned up at the gym and come next to me. Because he parked right next to her. Like, she's afraid. Now, concerned family and friends tell Molly that it's probably safest to leave the gym and head home, get behind, like, a safe safety zone. And as she's leaving, she texts one of her friends, I feel like I'm looking over my shoulder all the time. And then at 11.08, she texts her friend, I'm walking to my car now. Molly gets out to her car. She gets situa- situated in the driver's seat. But m- before Molly could drive away, Stimson rips open the passenger side door hops in her car, and stabs Molly 75 times. While Molly was deciding if she should leave or not, Stimson had actually armed himself with a knife and then waited in the parking lot for her to leave. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now Molly had tried to fight Stimson off. She was screaming, honking the horn, but ultimately she died within minutes of his frenzy. A CCTV image captures Josh leaving Molly's car covered in blood directly after the attack. I believe that's the last picture. You can't really see it very well, but you can see enough. (laughs) And this all happened within 12 days of Molly breaking up with Stimson. Now, police do quickly arrest Josh for Molly's murder um, because they had video evidence. And his trial begins on January 23rd, 2018. Now, Stimson's defense was ultimately to plead guilty to manslaughter with diminished responsibility. And this basically means that he was unbalanced or his mental state was unbalanced at the time of the attack. So the idea is that it makes him less responsible for the crime and it's ground for reduced charge, but it's also not classified as insane. So you got broken up with, therefore you have a reason to kill your ex is what he's trying to say. No. He's basically saying that he was not in a state of mind that was, that he could have controlled what happened. So. I understand his manslaughter defense, I guess, or his, that's what he's going with. But how is this not premeditated? You waited in the parking lot for her. So. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what the prosecution was trying to prosecute against. So. The prosecution at this point has to prove that Stimson was not of diminished responsibility at the time of the murder. So in trial, it comes out that he had a history of stalking from his past girlfriends, which is how I got the story about Alexandra Dale and Leah Hubbard. And it comes out during trial that he also did not have any form of bipolar disorder. And he had used this as a manipulation method. 
They were also able to prove that on June 27th, 2017, Stimson went to a local grocery store, a local market, and purchased a knife. And later that same day, he had also purchased a pickaxe just days before the attack. And after the trial, it took the jury less than four hours to find Stimson guilty of murder. So he did not get off with manslaughter. Now, he was sentenced to a minimum of 26 years in prison with no chance of parole. Um, But basically, he has to do a mandatory 26 years in prison. And then after 26 years, he can be evaluated for parole. But the judge herself even was quoted saying, this was a cruel, calculated, and cowardly act. This was an act of wickedness. You took away Molly's life quite deliberately in the most vicious fashion. You were determined to punish her for ending the relationship with you. Her family's grief and anguish is raw and apparent for everyone to see. And that was from Judge Adele Williams. Uh, Judge Williams also goes on to say, you are highly dangerous young man and you will pose a very considerable risk to young women for a very considerable period in the future. So it's not likely that after his mandatory 26 years that he will earn parole at that point. Now, the police department for the area, they have since changed their policies on stalking and they are required to report stalking as a crime, even if the victims don't wish to pursue the matter. In 2018, Molly's parents were invited to the graduation ceremony for um, Kent University, and they were able to accept a degree for her as a way to remember and honor Molly. Since Molly's Molly's death, her family has set up a foundation for people with eating disorders, and that is called the Molly McLaurin Foundation. Now, every year on Molly's birthday, there is a celebration called Molly Fest that takes place in Cobham. I believe this is her hometown, but I couldn't get clarification on that. But it is another way that they honor Molly. And for anyone that thinks that they're or feels like they're struggling with a stalker or anything like that, I did actually talk to my dad a little bit today. And for those of you that don't know, my dad was actually a police officer for 20 plus years. And so I did ask him what he would recommend for anyone that feels like they are in a uh, a stalking situation. And his first thing was always report it to the police. And begin documenting every single thing. Doesn't matter what it is. Even if the police say they're not going to come out at the time you report it. Still report it. And he says that this leaves a really long paper trail for police. And they can see any escalating behaviors. Um, And then documenting everything is key. Now, to keep in mind, law enforcement, they do have rules and protocols that they have to follow. But their ultimate goal is to protect you. Um, They'll help you get any protective orders, restraining orders, anything like that needed. So just work very closely with your local law enforcement. If you do feel like your life is in immediate danger, though, call the proper authorities. Um, But just make sure that you're contacting the correct people. And so that is the murder of Molly McLaurin. That was heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah, that's so sad. But I'm glad that, you know... Her family kind of made something out of her name and that they were still able to get her diploma. That was actually really awesome of the university to to do that for them. So, And I'm glad that he gets 26 years without parole. Mm. I'm glad. Well, no, he's got a life sentence, but it's a minimum of 26 years before they'll even evaluate him for parole. 
at least 26 years without parole. Yes. yes. Sorry, what was that, I'm Amanda? Glad the, uh, I'm glad the police changed their policies and mm-hmm. how they handle stalking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really important, too. Yes. So it was very, very difficult to get through that story, <clears throat> especially since a lot of it was like they met online and they had this whirlwind relationship and he was very manipulative. And yeah, hopefully Amanda can lighten the mood. I think so. Oh, I'm so excited. Y'all know I love this guy. Are y'all ready? Yeah, Yeah. but I don't know which guy you love. Good. On a chilly fall night in November of 1966, two couples drove into the TNT area north of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, where they realized they were not alone. What they saw that night has evolved into one of the great mysteries of all time. Hence, the Mothman legacy began. It has grown into a phenomenon known all over the world by millions of curious people asking questions. What really happened? What did these people see? Has it been seen since? It still sparks the world's curiosity, the mystery behind Point Pleasant, West Virginia Mothman. Artist and sculpture, or excuse me, sculpture by artist and sculptor, Bob Roach, New Haven, West Virginia. And this is what the plaque at the bottom of the Mothman statue reads in the middle of downtown Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And that's that first photo. So Mothman, stories kind of vary, but it's pretty much the same thing. He's either gray, brown, or black. He's dark colored. He's between six to eight feet tall. He has a 10 to 15 foot wingspan glowing red eyes he causes accidents disasters extreme duress psychological distress and he's been seen flying gliding and even walking and his walk was described as penguin-esque from what i read penguin-esque yes so like it's more of like, yeah more of a waddle than a walk are his like wings down by his side too with the waddle yeah there's a specific word that comes to mind is pinned to his side that i saw repeatedly he has leathery wings and he can fly directly upwards from standing on the ground he can just shoot up that sounds do you mean terrible. by leathery wings like they're not feathered they're more like bat wings oh okay wing. okay that makes sense oh like a moth yeah mm-hmm. The TNT area is formerly West Virginia Ordnance Works Munitions Plant. Say that five times fast. No. (laughs) No thanks. (laughs) This plant, it both opened and closed in the 1940s. And at the height of production, they were manufacturing 500,000 pounds of TNT a day. Jesus. That's a lot. When the plant closed, they took 3,655 of the original 8,000 acres and converted it into the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. And that's a wildlife preserve in Mason County, about seven miles north of Point Pleasant. There's a lot of peas in this story. Mm-hmm. There have been so many sightings around the TNT area that people what? at the time came to believe that Mothman made this his home specifically in an abandoned north power plant building and from what i read there were four buildings but only one of the buildings didn't have any like birds or pigeons or anything you know roosting in there so they're like that's got to be where mothman is otherwise there would be birds in that building 
So they started calling him the bird and that building the bird house. In 1966 and 1967, locals and sightseers drove in hordes to this area trying to catch a glimpse of the, the Mothman, this bird. The building is no longer there. It was demolished in early 1990 because of the advanced decay and the frequent trespassers. But Point Pleasant very much embraces this. They are all about the Mothman. I feel like I would be too, though, if I were there. I'd be like, yes, that is oh, our yeah. mascot. Exactly. Like, I'm all about it, and I'm nowhere near West Virginia. So so if you're in West Virginia, specifically, what was the city again? Point Place? Point Point, Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant? Mm-hmm. Um, let us know your thoughts on Mothman. Yeah. Specifically, mm-hmm. if you've seen him with your own two eyes. Thank you. That would be so cool to get, like, a real-life account of one of these. Oh, my God. I could only dream. So November 16th, 1966, the Point Pleasant Register ran the headline, Couples See Man-Sized Bird, Creature, Something. And this ran the story after the first known sighting of Mothman. And I'm about to get into that story right now. So picture it. West Virginia, 1962. Okay, I'm picturing it. I got it in my head. And Roger and Linda Scarberry, they're going down West Virginia Route 62. Route 62 is just a straight shot, so it's pretty perfect for drag racing. And supposedly, that's what Roger Scarberry took these four kids out in his 60, 57 Chevy to do. They're driving around, and all of a sudden, they see something just standing in the mode in the road, excuse me, directly in front of their car. Roger describes this as six to seven feet tall with big red eyes and a 10-foot wingspan. And it's just standing there. But when it saw the headlights, it ran off the road and with this weird little gate that I told you about. No. Uh, so they book it. They're like, nope, we don't need to see any more of this. And they start driving back to town. Well, after a couple minutes, they see slash hear it again and it's actually attacking their car so they floor it and roger some sources claim that he went 75 some claimed 100 so between 75 and 100 miles an hour they're trying to get back to town as fast as they possibly can and while they're doing this this big moth thing with red eyes is flying up into the air and then it would just swoop down on their car and go back up in the air Finally, when they're almost into town, it just darts off into a field and leaves them alone. They are obviously terrified, so they go straight to the sheriff's office. And from what was said, they didn't really want to, because how are you going to explain something like this? But they were scared. So they get there, and they get there around 2 a.m. There was reports that they actually saw scratches on the top of the car. And the police, they put them in four different rooms. So they're not even taking this report with the people in the same room together. They separate them. But all of their stories match. Hard pass. Yeah. Yeah. How would you even get scratches on the top of the car, too? From hell. Yeah. The moth from hell. That makes so much more (laughs) sense. You said tree tree branches. I was going to say a bear. (laughs) <laughs> a bear climbed on top of the car yeah so I mean, there was a bear in the tree in the branches that fell on top of the car 
making the tree branches and the bear. It was it was a car. cub bear. It was a cub bear. He was hanging on the tree branches, and then he just he fell. His mama got mad, so his mama scratched the back of the car. Trying Does to insurance well, cover that? The top. Yes. I don't know if insurance covers think, that. Is uh, a bear a natural disaster? I think so. Okay. Well, that's good to know. State Farm? State Farm, are you there? let us know. <laughs> Jake? 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 Or Jinx? <laughs> or Flo? <laughs> or Flo, yeah. The Point Pleasant Register, uh, excuse me, the Point Pleasant Register... They ask for other people to come forward if they had these same kinds of stories. And over the next year, over 100 people gave them what they wanted. And they all pretty much described the same being with just minor differences. So in the height or sometimes the color. The things that you can't really. Yeah, like, you know, he's always seen at night. So Mm -hmm. depending on how dark it is, you know, he might be gray one instance and brown the next. Well, like perspective too, like a six foot tall man might be like, oh, he was like five, five, you know, whereas like a four foot tall woman might, I don't know why five, four feet, but if you're four feet tall, you might be like, he was seven feet, four jerseys. That's a really good point. I actually didn't think of that while I was writing this. That's why we have you here. So glad I'm useful. (laughs) (laughs) You're useful for other things too. We love you. All the organization you guys get out of me. Charging for my services. Yeah, she she really earns her keep here. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe true. not while you guys are listening to me, but behind the scenes. She's doing stuff. You're welcome. She's clicking buttons. One of the other reports that came in was actually a group of five grave diggers that came forward. And they all pretty much, too, said the same thing. One guy specifically was named Kenneth Duncan, and he was an eyewitness that night. And he told about a half-man, half-moth being just gliding through the treetops for about a minute. They watched it before it disappeared. Other people write in, and a lot of them say that they hear weird noises. And when they look out a window, some of them a house, some of them in their car when they're going down the road. When they look out the window, they see these big glowing red eyes looking back at them. And then they get an overwhelming sense of doom. Mm-mm. It's that sense of doom that does it for me. Not the glowing red eyes. The no, glowing red the eyes do it for me. <laughs> yeah, it's the doom for me. Honestly, it's probably just the fact that something is staring back inside my window at me. Like, I don't care if it's doom, red eyes, just a man. I don't care if it's my husband. Why oh. are you there? What are you doing? Stop. It could literally be a spider and I would still have that sense of doom. I'd be like... <laughs> Why are you staring at me? Stop it. We're all going to die in this situation. <laughs> so these stories started to gain traction pretty quickly. But one skeptic, you know, there's always one skeptic. You just have this one situ- paranormal without a skeptic. Is it even a paranormal? No. With, okay. So you have to have a skeptic to be paranormal. You heard it here first. I don't know if that's true, but don't, <laughs> don't take our words for it. <laughs> so this specific skeptic. His name was Dr. Robert L. Smith, and this is a long-winded title. He was the Associate Professor of Wildlife Biology in West Virginia University's Division of Forestry. And this is what he had to say. So a paper ran an article 
And on December 1st of 1966, Dr. Smith stated from the descriptions he had been reading about the monster, he said that it perfectly matches the Sandhill Crane. And he went on to say he definitely believes that's what people are seeing. Now, Sandhill Cranes cannot fly 100 miles an hour. Uh, Dr. Smith did say that they're generally harmless unless you back them into a corner. The problem with that is they're usually only three to four feet tall and they have an average wingspan of only 6.5 feet, which is still way bigger than me. But it's they are. Match. <laughs> yes, Bryce. I'm <laughs> not sure how he got this Sandhill crane from descriptions because I just Googled Sandhill crane. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> that is very clearly a bird. That's a devil's yeah. winged creature. Yeah, and it doesn't even it doesn't even look like it's got those bat wings that you were talking about, like leathered wings. It just it looks like it's got feathers. It it does. It's it has feathers. Yeah. Last time I checked, neither of you are ornithologists. Last Um, time I checked Google at least showed me (laughs) pictures of this bat hill or this what is a sandhill crane. Someone didn't provide them. So, yes, the bird is, it's like a gray, white bird. They are pretty tall, but they are not wide by any means. And they do have, like, some red patches on their eyes. This is the bird um, that Dr. Smith was talking about. Now, other people claim it was a barred owl. Why you have your Google machines up there. You can go ahead and Google that if you'd like. Now, barred owls, yeah, they are pretty no way big. There's could be an owl. There's barred no owls. Way that- are pretty big they have large eyes and actually i think it's one of the largest eyes of an owl they glow red when bright light is shined on them they are typically 26 to 20 16 to 23 inches tall with a 38 to 45 inch wingspan which again um slight difference yes bryce um i will say the owl would explain the penguin waddle. But it doesn't Very explain accurate. the rest. Also accurate. I would also like to say this is the only type of bird that I like is an owl. Owls are pretty cute. Mm-hmm. So. I believe that. When, if I ever, I don't know, get an owl, I'd want to name, I'd want to get like a snow owl and name it Umbra. But anyways, keep going. That's a random fact. <laughs> Some more really common rumors that other people believed in Point Pleasant. Uh, some people thought that it was a lost wear balloon. Uh, excuse me. A lost weather balloon. A wear and balloon. I like it. I don't is know like, what the hell I was reading. Is it like a werewolf, but instead of turning into a wolf, you turn into a balloon at the full moon? Yeah, actually. Okay. Except, but instead of a full moon, it has to be a full sun. So every day at noon, you turn into a weather balloon. You're screwed at noon. Mm-hmm. How long are you up there? I'm sorry. Okay, continue. We are on the Either a lost weather balloon. Uh, some people believe, which I feel like this is pretty rational, kind of. It's a rational thought process, okay? They thought it was a teenager or a man pulling a prank on the town, dressing up in a Halloween costume, and just jumping out at cars. But how Fly 100 miles per hour, because if a teenager or man can figure that out, if they could just share that with me so I can start doing this in my neighborhood. That was I the will... weather balloon. That the wasn't travelers. this guy. 
Oh, so it's time both travelers. of them. So it's like they are, they have a weather balloon that's chasing them, but they're in the road in the suit. Exactly. This is very elaborate. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, John Keel. John Keel is a journalist and a paranormal investigator. So we trust him. Yes. Okay. He drives out to Point Pleasant in December of 1966. And he's there strictly to investigate. He is investigating UFOs, the Mothman, anything he can get his hands on. A couple years later, he's going to compile all this investigation and interviews with witnesses. And he puts it into a book and publishes it in 1975 called The Mothman Prophecies. This was also made into a movie in 2002 that I have not seen, but I'm sure it's wonderful. Because of this, John Keel, he's credited for making Mothman what he is today. So well known and pretty much worldwide. In um, Mothman Prophecies is an okay movie, by the way. Oh, is it? I wanted to see it, but I didn't have time. It's one you should watch. Sorry, go on. I'll write it down. Or after this, I'll remember it. Trust me. Actually, before you continue, I was still scrolling through pictures of the owl theory. And mm-hmm. there are some pretty convincing pictures. Oh, but yeah? They're, I think they're <laughs> drawn. I know this one is for sure, but it shows that owl on a log with its wings out and red it's eyes. terrifying. It is. But you can clearly see it's an owl (laughs) in the picture. Anyway, go on. Sorry, side note. So like I said, this, uh, the sightings, they go on from 66 to 67. They stop on December 15th, 1967. And they remember this date because this is actually the day that the Silver Bridge collapsed. The Silver Bridge was... A bridge that crossed the Ohio River and it connected Point Pleasant, West Virginia to Gallipolis, Ohio. This is one of the worst bridge collapsing in history from what I read. Uh, 46 people lost their lives. Nine people were injured. And the while the bridge collapsing was tragic, some good at least did come of it. Because a year later, Congress would actually pass the National Bridge Inspection Standards. But okay. after this bridge collapsed, the reportings of Mothman just stopped and nobody saw him anymore. They did see people, or I'm sorry, people did see him around the bridge area, though, not long before it collapsed. So this kind of gave him his name um, as a harbinger of death. Oh, that's wonderful. Another instance is, in, is on, actually, August 1st, 2007, around 6 p.m., in rush hour traffic, which the first bridge was also, like I said, rush hour traffic, the I-35 West Bridge going over the Mississippi River near Minneapolis also collapsed. It took 111 vehicles down, 13 people died, and 145 were injured. It later collapsed because it's of the inadequate load capacity and a design error. They did redesign and rebuild this bridge but this is another bridge that people claim to have seen the mothman in the area of not long before it collapsed and didn't see it anymore afterwards so is he maybe more trying to warn people like hey this bridge i flew under it and i can see the structure's not good pay attention some people do believe that 
Others, not so much. I don't know. I just know that I love him. Kind of want to pet him. I don't. I would. I don't want to pet him. With one thousand percent, pet the Mothman. It's that doom feeling that I don't want. The red eyes. There was one lady specifically that claimed she saw this creature while she was driving around the bridge that day. And she said that the creature had really big red eyes, a 10-foot wingspan, and it flew really fast. It flew so fast that it was barely flopping its, flapping its wings, though. I like flopping its wings better. Yeah, just like a fish out of water. <laughs> the Mothman. Near bridge We're going to go of- over... Oh, is that why he collapses the uh, bridges? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to go over to Freiburg, Germany, September 10th, 1978. There was a bunch of miners. They were on their way back to work when they say a tall man in a dark trench coat was blocking the entrance to this mine. So they get up to kind of tell him, like, hey, man, get out of the way. We're trying to go to work here. See, he's trying to protect them. He's like, stay out. Stay out. As they get closer, they notice that it's a large creature with bat-like wings that are pinned to its side. And it just starts screaming. And they said it sounds like 50 men screaming all at the same time, mixed with the sounds of a train's emergency brakes. It's very descriptive. Was there a train nearby that was turning on their emergency brakes? You know, this is on me, but I did not research that. (laughs) okay someone knows there was a train nearby turning on its emergency brakes let us know it could have been like an owl screeching maybe but that doesn't explain how loud it was yeah they said it was it was really loud and really high pitched so they obviously run but they stay in the area that they're supposed to be working in I'm assuming because they're supposed to be at work. So if a supervisor comes up, they might be like, hey, maybe don't go over there. There's a big man bat. An hour after this happened. Man bat, yes. Man Man moth bat. bat. Moth bat man. Moth moth man bat. (laughs) Batman moth. Ooh, the Batman moth. I like it. An hour later, there's a huge explosion. And the mine that these men are supposed to be working in, it just completely collapses. And they all would have lost their lives had they been at work. And like Bryce said, this is where some people are like, hey, this is a good guy. Like, he's helping. He's a vigilante. In a few months. The look on her face. There's there's something something she doesn't want to tell us because she wants us to like him too. Oh, I don't care if you like him or not, but I'm going to tell you. Within a few months, a third of the miners that were there that day, they all developed serious mental disorders. And that's another complaint that people report after witnessing the Mothman. However, if I came that close to dying, I would probably have a little trauma. What mental disorders are they developing? Like PTSD? Because, like, you could have died. I can see that. It's understandable, Uh, yeah. Like, if you're they telling didn't go me into, it's a frenia, uh, it might be some something to look deeper into. No, they didn't go into specifics with it. I assume it was, like, PTSD, because that's what they said. People, they just, when they look into his eyes, they are terrified. That sounds like PTSD to me. Yeah. Maybe depressed, because they might not get to see him again. I could see that, too. Maybe he didn't let them pet him. 
And they're super depressed because I know that would be you, Amanda. I'm already depressed. Okay. Because I haven't pet him. I mean, in general, but also because I haven't gotten to pet him. (laughs) Well, Mothman, if you're listening, Amanda needs some pets right now or to give you pets. Both would be nice. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You too. Now, in Japan, on March 11th, 2011, the Tohoku earthquake hit Japan. And then that was the earthquake that caused a tsunami to hit less than an hour later. The 9.1 magnitude, six-minute-long earthquake caused 19,747 deaths, 6,242 people were injured, and 2,556 people went missing. It's the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan, and it's the fourth most powerful earthquake that's ever been recorded in the world's history of recording earthquakes. Now, the tsunami that was caused by the earthquake, it had waves 133 feet tall, and it traveled 435 miles per hour and up to six miles inland. So this is just wreaking havoc on poor damn Japan, okay? The earthquake and the tsunami would eventually cause the Fukushima nuclear disaster at the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant in Fukushima, Japan. That nuclear disaster was originally classified as a level five on the international nuclear event scale, but they would soon reclassify that to a seven. And that was only one of two nuclear disasters to ever reach a level seven. Anybody have a guess what the other one was? Chernobyl? No, is that right? Yeah, Chernobyl. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Chernobyl in 1986. Now, I tried to look up the specifics on this. And surprisingly, I'm not a nuclear scientist. So it was a little you confusing. Don't say. Wow. Yeah. I know. I know this is news to y'all, but I mean, I just got to be transparent. <laughs> so I did look up the specifics of the meltdown because this part was a little confusing to me. But it, from my understanding, it started on March 11th, right after both the earthquake and the tsunami. And it took them up to two weeks to get it stable again. So in the days after this, there are multiple sightings of Mothman around that power plant after the earthquake. Excuse me. Does that make sense? After the earthquake, he was sighted near the power plant. Yes. Right. Okay. Got it. I'm still, I have PTSD from researching that. Okay. So now I just have a bunch of short little quips about where he's been seen at because he's been seen um my very first one there's a report of him being seen in chicago at 11 30 p.m december 30th 2021 oh so like yes yeah like yesterday Mm -hmm. yeah okay not not yesterday but (laughs) three three uh, months ago last thursday yeah yeah (laughs) three months ago okay continue An employee at the O'Hare International Airport in Chicago, Illinois, and two of his fellow employees saw three black, red-eyed, winged creatures staring at them while they were working. So there's a Mrs. Mothman. And possibly a a tiny Mothman. A moth babe. A a A moth moth baby. It's a mini moth. I like mini moth the best. (laughs) On April 10th, 2018, around 8 p.m., there was a witness that says she was driving when she noticed a massive creature with bat-like wings spanning 10 feet gliding around an apartment before swooping behind the building 
And again, it never flapped its wings. I mean, who needs to flap their wings anyways? Planes don't do it. Why do we need to? Why does that's a very need to? That's a very good point. He's just jet powered. I mean, planes have engines. So it'd be Maybe really he... hard for someone to I also fly just without flapping their jet wings. Power. Maybe he ate beans. That would be damn cool. He had a for dinner. Some pretty strong beans there. Some some things were being emitted from that craft there. <laughs> he had a Chipotle bean burrito. Every day for dinner. <laughs> On May 27th, 2017, at about 10.30 p.m., a married couple were walking down the street and they saw something flying above them. It was solid black with glowing red eyes and it was looking down at them as they were looking up at it flying. It flew overhead, circled back, flew over them again, and then it just left them alone and headed back and flew towards a park. He was just checking on their safety. Hot damn. That's what I like I mean, to think. He's He's got to fly around everywhere, you know, to see where all the problems are and make sure that he can, you know, warn the people. Listen, he's got to go around the world daily to check on problems. He's busier than Santa Claus. Really? Really, Honestly, though. yeah. That's why he has a family. Oh, it's a family business. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. Tender. In Woodstock, Illinois, in or on, excuse me, February 22nd, 2019, again, 8 p.m., a man is driving home from the store and he said he saw something cross the road in front of him and it was illuminated by his headlights. He said it was an eight to nine foot tall creature covered in fur. He originally thought it was a Bigfoot, but he said that the creature had large gargoyle-like wings. I like the gargoyle. gargoyle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do too. Put some respect on that man's name. Yes. Yeah, right. In Wisconsin, February 25th, 2009, around 5.30 a.m., Near Darien, a woman saw a winged creature on her way to work, and she said it's it was a like flying in the treetop level, and it suddenly glided towards her car, never flapping its wings, and almost hit the hood when she swerved, and she actually hit a guardrail trying to avoid this thing. And she said that the color was that of a brown paper bag, and the wingspan on this thing was wider than the width of her car no thank you a fire and rescue officer said that him and his partner actually witnessed a green-eyed winged humanoid in downtown milwaukee in 2014 wait a green-eyed humanoid Mm-hmm. so they have different genes they can be green eyes okay that's all i needed yeah. Uh, one might have been a little more yellow-eyed or something, one blue-eyed, and they just mixed and had a little green-eyed yeah. baby. So wait, does thing. that mean that there's more than just the three? There could be. You know be. what? Maybe those are Santa's helpers. They're flying around trying to see if you're naughty or nice. Wait, I have a kid now. Can I change the story of Santa to include Mothman? <laughs> I think you can do whatever you want for her upbringing. You're... Your child would be made fun of hella in elementary school if she mentions a mothman. You can't say that they're going to be made fun of. You don't know. And that's where you go. This This is is my mouth on a child. I think she'll be all right. (laughs) All right. I say go for it. I say go for it. 
in January of 2002 in Madison. We're still in Wisconsin, by the way. Somebody, it was a, there was a woman, she was riding in her car and she saw a large bat creature looking down at her. She wasn't driving. She was in the passenger seat. And she said that it had glowing red eyes with a bat-like face. And she also said that it was flap, not flapping its wings, but it was just sailing, apparently. Like, this guy just doesn't have to flap. He just glides everywhere he goes. That's just so weird. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. I'm not judging him, but can we just not be lazy? Maybe flaps above the clouds to, you know, get his speed up. And then he just, I mean, you know, his wings are just so large that he doesn't have to flap anymore for the next hundred miles, you know? Mm-hmm. He has some muscular wings. Yeah. He is defined. I don't know what gym he's going to, but he is getting his memberships worth. So I could have gone on, honestly, all day. I read so many stories that I didn't even put in here. But I think people have better things to do. I'm not real sure. There is a Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. They haven't had one for the past two years because of COVID, but they are having one this year. It's September 17th and 18th. And the website describes the Mothman Festival as an event held, an annual event held every third weekend in September that commemorates the 1966 Point Pleasant, West Virginia Mothman sighting, which is what gave birth to the infamous red-winged, red-eyed winged legend. People from all over the world gather around our charming Main Street to celebrate their favorite cryptid during this one-of-a-kind event. And they have guest speakers, they have live bands, festival food, there's a Mothman hayride, which sounds wonderful. It's a a cosplay event, so people dress up as everything. I saw a picture of Mothman with Darth Vader, and my life is complete now. There are bus tours around TNT, there's a Mothman 5K, and you can even visit the Mothman Museum. They say that this festival is kid-friendly and fun for everyone. And I say we go. Let's do say it. Say we go as long as I can research a, like, a haunted place around there and we can visit that as well. It's West Virginia. I'm sure there's something. There's got to be, right? Mm-hmm. We could take a road trip. Let's do it. Sure. That's a really long road trip. That road trip would involve a road trip to each other just to make the road trip. Mm-hmm. Can we just meet there, like fly, you know? I'm good with that. Okay. Good, that, good, good. Yeah. We could all get like the same hotel room or something. Yeah, we'll, we'll correlate. We'll correlate. Yeah, we'll shop it. It's in September, so we got time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to swing it this year. That's okay. September 2023. Okay. We got it. Look, if okay. we all just start walking now, we'll get there by September. Okay, um, where exactly? Point Place, right? Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And y'all, West Point Virginia. Pleasant is the most charming, most gorgeous little town. Like, there's a lot of pictures, obviously, that come up of it. And it's just so damn quaint. It's precious. Actually. Sounds precious. Google Maps tells me that it's only... A 16 day and 10 hour walk away from me. So that's not too bad. That's a lot. <laughs> is that's that walking 24 hours a day? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing. 
I like so probably shower. more like 32. Hey, you yeah. know what? We'll be in real good shape afterwards. Yeah, true. Hard pass. Still. This <laughs> literally says to bicycle there, it would be four days and 10 hours. Non-stop. No. Oh, love the mock right. man. I would like to cuddle him too. Like it's, no, I I don't want him. I want his the the moth baby. What did we call him? The mini moth. Mini yeah. moth. Yeah. I want to snuggle mini moth. Um, that was a good one. I like the moth man. I like him a lot. I love him so much. <laughs> so good. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast. Twitter at Hell on Heels Pod or by Facebook or on Facebook by searching Hell on Heels Podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels Podcast in Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you guys, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for Patreon there. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. And thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell or force your friends to listen with you. Uh, This has been Hell on Heels Podcast. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye.